Go, 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 Charlie. It's your birthday. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a cardi like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give up because that's your birthday. You'll find me in the club. Welcome to episode 21 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest Podcast. Happy birthday, Jay. It's birthday. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project's mission is to positively shape the dynamic and landscape of the Cleveland hockey community through comprehensive player development and a lifelong commitment to helping each and every athlete to maximize their potential and reach their hockey goals. With over 85 years of cumulative experience to draw from, the staff provides athletes with every ounce of knowledge, experience, and passion they have. The staff consists of current and former professional, collegiate, and junior players who have all come to the various ranks of Cleveland hockey and are committed to make athletes' goals and needs their number one priority. Well, Jay, last week we had the chance to catch up with a good friend of ours, uh, head coach from the Amherst Steel Comments, Mr. Steve Morris. Uh, Steve was able to talk about his time in Toronto. How about the fact that he almost didn't play hockey at five years old because they signed two contracts, which was kind of funny. <laughs> Uh, his time playing in minor hockey with Wayne Gretzky and Paul Coffey uh, to tie in the skates of a young lady in a class at Miami. I think it was John. Uh, Sir John uh, Malloy. Sir John Malloy's class. Uh, that lady eventually became his wife. An extremely humble man, uh, as we know Steve to be, who understands what he has done in and for the game of hockey, yet always looks to help others out to find success. I love that conversation. I love any conversation with Steve, to be honest with you. But the conversation we had last week with Steve was amazing. He's a, a, just a class guy who, listen, he coaches very hard, right? Mm-hmm. He coaches very hard. But when you take him off of the uh, off the ice rink, he, he's such a solid dude. I thought it was funny that those were a lot of stories that we'd never heard before. I mean, that's the humility of him that he doesn't need to to do the name drop. He doesn't need to let you know where he was from and what he did. He just, he did it and it's part of his life. And knowing him and talking to him for as long as we have, and to hear those stories for the first time, it was, it was really awesome. And like you said, anytime we get to talk to, to Steve is always fun, always informative. Like I know we told him during, during the talk was that we, we, we talked to him and we, we watch his teams because we're learning as well. Steve, as we talked about last week, had twice as many assists as goals, and, and he's constantly giving. I know that that's kind of sounds hokey and dumb to say, but that's the person that he is. What you see is what you get, and he's just a good, solid human being. Yeah, absolutely, and I really enjoy it. And, and I know that he, you know, will will be. Uh, he's already a big fan of the uh, the podcast, and will continue to follow it, and will come on more and more and talk about. Uh, uh, hockey in Ohio and, and, you know, the progression of it. Cause he's very knowledgeable of it. And it's very passionate about the progression of hockey. And he doesn't even have, I mean, he, he was fully uh, transparent with us and saying the reason why he started coaching here in Cleveland was because he wanted his kids 
and others to have good coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, his kids are gone now and he's still coaching. Yep. So what does that tell you? Yep. Yep. Well, this week, Jay, we're finally legal. <laughs> Episode 21, baby. And we're going back to college. We head into Middlebury, Vermont to sit down with a member of the Middlebury Panthers men's hockey team, Emac Bentley. He's a Solon native entering his junior season. Emac has gone from the tier one elite league to playing in the North American Hockey League to settling at Middlebury College. Then we make our way to the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We sit down with two members of the Robert Morris Colonial Hockey Team, Aiden Spellacy and Quinn Wormuth. Both guys spent time playing local in high school and travel before embarking on successful junior careers, then finding success at the Division I level. Can't wait to talk to these three men. Uh, look forward to hearing about their uh, uh, career paths, how they got to where they're at, uh, what's happening in their specific universities or colleges now how are they staying safe uh because all three of them are back on campus so i wonder you know looking forward to the the those stories on those transitions excited to talk to all these guests today and getting back to campus but before we do let's check in on check in on the fellas see how their week went danny how's everything going good um let's see what do we do this week we uh cut down a tree uh, my dad Pop Hump came over and helped me cut down a dead branch that was hanging in the front yard. Replaced uh, two lights in bedrooms. Um, And I think next weekend we'll start some painting. So she's keeping me busy. It's like a DIY show. Oh, my gosh, yeah. What are those, uh, uh, flip it or, or love it or leave it or whatever, flip it or flop it, whatever it is. I like the uh, the good bones and because the only reason why is because in the in the ad for the the commercial for good bones, I, I hear the girl come on, she goes, "It just has good bones," and I'm like, "I love that! I love that accent, dude! I love it! I love it!" She gets me every time. Ah, it's just it has good bones, so it's it's good. How, what? Where's she from, Jay? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm assuming somewhere south, maybe Tennessee, but I don't remember. I, truthfully, I, I've I've watched the show one time. It's just a commercial, so I'm really not sure. But when she does that, and she just she gets in that draw going a little bit. There's a little bit of a southern in her, and maybe sometimes she, you know, I, I think we could maybe put some new window treatments up. It'd be nice. So I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I'm a sucker for the accent. I mean, it's what you know you. We, I remember a story from years ago where we were at a high school football game and, and true story. We were out in uh, Niles, Ohio. And uh, I think it was like young, God, I don't even know which one of the Youngstown schools. I apologize for not remembering, but we were there and we see this girl and we were talking with members of of their school. I think we're at a concession stand and she literally looks at, at a friend of mine and he goes, or she says, you want to see what I did to my trousers? And he immediately looks at her and goes, would you marry me? <laughs> and, and, and in actuality, he said that and he goes, wait, what did you say? She goes, you want to see what I did to my trousers? And we're like, sure. It's just, I'll put a little cuff in them. And we're like, this girl's the greatest. So we followed her around the rest of the game going, just say this and just say this and just say this. So you get the accent. You, you, you get me every time. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, well, all right. So he, Danny's running a D, D, do it yourself. I can't even say the, the, the letters now. The, the do it yourself, DYI. 
<laughs> the DIY, 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 whatever. Yeah. And and you're over there running a uh, one other. Uh, you know, we got Poppy going, and we got what other accent do you need me to throw out? I'll throw it out there for you. <laughs> it's like Rosetta Stone over there. Here. Oh, it's fun. It's a good time. Yo, you want to say, oh, look at this? You guys are doing the on air podcast. It's wonderful. It's Scott Harrington on. We will say hello to Scott. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so well, well. Other than hosting uh, Rosetta Stone, what what else is going on with you, Love? Oh, nothing much. Just a lot of work, and uh, got a chance to get out today and play golf. Up actually with you, as you know, and that was nice. And it was. It's just nice that we still have the good weather. We had a couple monsoon days, so we got some some water, some precipitation for the grass to stay green or get green again. But yeah, nothing much. You know, on the ice once a week, which is nice. Well, we were. Now we got to change that protocol to on ice and what is it uh conditioning only but you know life is as normal as it can be for for this day and age right now yeah for sure it was it was good to get out and play some golf and we had we had some fun doing that today um Where'd you guys throughout go? the uh we went to springvale yes. throughout the uh um monsoon week though the good news is we did not have water in the basement which i was mm. you know very very on edge about um, you know, I was a little nervous that it was going to happen. Uh, did decided not to do the full day cook day today. Um, obviously cause we played golf and I, I really wanted to try to keep, uh, keep an extra layer of skin on my legs and not <laughs> burn the hell out of them. But, um, I have to do have to say that and give the listeners a little update. My garden, uh, absolutely blew up. Jay, I showed you that. Those, yeah, I saw that, that video photo today. today. Yeah. 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 Insane. Insane. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you know, as we know, uh, I think one wise man once said, uh, rain made corn, corn made whiskey. So that's why we like the rain, right? So uh, what well, is our 21st episode? So maybe we should do a little shot of whiskey uh, soon or maybe at the end of the show to celebrate uh, our 21st. Absolutely. You know, I, I am, I, I know management has other pressing issues. Um, he's bolstering a roster of future guests. I, he seems to keep it close to the vest because it's good for him. I really think we do have to go to the cooking show, though, the, the cooking segment, because that haul you pulled in out of your garden was impressive. And we're not talking like a couple heirloom tomatoes. We're talking like something that, that, that what you show me, that cucumber, was it? No, the zucchini. The was. zucchini? But, 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 but you know what, though? They, when they get that big, they get, yeah, you got to want a little, little smaller. All right, well, hey. I'm not the one with the green thumb. That's you. No, no. But it was still impressive to see the haul you pulled out of that garden. It was nice. Yeah, it was. It was, it was good. Plus, any chance I get to any chance I get to dig on management is always fun. So you have to give me some uh, pointers because I I built some garden boxes this week too. For oh, there you go. There. there he is. Look, look at him. <laughs> I know. Uh, DIY with Danny. <laughs> DIY with Danny. <laughs> you know what? For I, I don't think management's going to approve the cooking show because there is a there's a liability there. However, he, he, he management might approve the DIY with Danny episode. Well, I'd like to see him him and Papa you, Hump cutting a limb down. You should see my dad up on this ladder. Things wobbling, and he's just swinging that chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, boys, as August turns to September, as always, uh, youth and travel teams are, are taking the ice. Uh, we're following and they're following all the guidelines and protocols. Let's hope. Uh, so let's get into the digest and see what's making the news in the world of hockey today.
There's no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising on Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air Podcast. You can't connect your company or products with customers and support Hockey in Ohio at the same time. Contact Scott Harrington today at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. The Digest is looking for a social media intern to help with post-production and marketing for the on-air podcast. If you like hockey and are good with Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, we have a tremendous resume building opportunity for you. The Federal League season may not start until December, but there is a lot of activity going on at Mentor Civic Arena. The Mentor Icebreakers are hard at work building their roster. They resigned former Benedictine Bengal Blake Nedia to a standard player contract for the 2020-2021 season, added four more players to tryout agreements, and announced that forward Josh Newberg will serve as a player assistant coach next season. Nadia appreciates the opportunity to play pro hockey near his hometown, and Newberg is looking forward to the challenge of his added coaching duties of player coach. Uh, Roster's looking real good. I'm real excited at uh, some of the PTOs that we have signed uh, over summer. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they're doing a great job of, you know, really searching, uh, you know, turning every rock to get, you know, the best team that we can, uh, you know, put a competitive team on the ice this year. In addition to the activity in the front office, the Mentor Civic Arena is adding new bleachers that will increase capacity by 100 people and make everybody a little bit more comfortable. The University of Toledo Rockets added a prolific scorer to their roster for the 2020-2021 ACHA season. Chase Soltis, a native, a native of Wauseon, Ohio, scored 70 goals and put up 119 points in just 30 games for the Lake Flyers during his senior season. Soltis will major in physical therapy at the University of Toledo. The United States Premier Hockey League season is scheduled to start on September 18th, and teams are firming up their rosters for another season of competitive Tier 3 junior play. Toledo Cherokee head coach and general manager Kenny Miller has signed forward Kyle Cookway of Toledo St. John's. Cookway, a Sylvania native, produced eight goals and 27 points for the Titans last season. Elsewhere in the USPHL, Olin Tangy Liberty's Dylan Flesher assigned with the Columbus Mavericks. The Toledo Walleye added a pair of players with local ties last week. Brandon Hawkins, who played two seasons for Bowling Green State University before transferring to Northeastern, signed with Toledo on Thursday. Hawkins played his first year of pro hockey with the Wheeling Nailers last season, leading all ECHL rookies with 189 shots on goal. Then on Friday, the Walleye signed defenseman Gordy Meyer, a Sylvania native, who wrapped up a four-year career at Ohio State last season. Meyer closed out his Ohio State career with a plus-30 rating, the fourth best for a Buckeye defenseman since 2001. The Erie Otters have traded one of their top players, 18-year-old Ford Hayden Fowler, to the Oshawa Generals for three draft picks. Fowler, a first-round pick in a 2017 OHL draft, produced 82 points in 105 games for the Otters and is ranked 87th among North American skaters by the NHL Central Scouting Services for the upcoming NHL entry draft. Erie received a second-round pick in 2022, conditional fifth-round pick in 2022, and a third-round pick in 2024. This move, combined with the trade of overage goaltender 
Daniel Murphy last week seems to signal that the Otters remain in a rebuilding phase. Erie reached the 50-win plateau in a 68-game season four years in a row between 2013-2017 and went on to the OHL Finals twice in that span, which culminates with culminated with the franchise second OHL championship in 2017. The Otters missed the playoffs in 2018 and 19, and this year's OHL postseason was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Arizona Coyotes will forfeit their 2020 second round pick and 2021 first round pick after the NHL concluded that they did physical testing of prospects outside of the NHL combine. The Coyotes already traded their 2020 first-round pick to acquire Taylor Hall, a pending unrestricted free agent, and their 2020 third-round pick to bring in Carl Soderberg. Former Arizona general manager John Cheka was in charge when the NHL's investigation was initiated in January. Do you guys think that might be the reason he decided to walk away? (laughs) I mean, if you've cheated and you know you've cheated, and you know you're going to get caught, what do you do? You leave. You caught the wagon and fjord the river. <laughs> and you jump ship I in mean, the middle on, of the man. season. Right. Come on. He knew it was coming. You know, it's no different than, than you know, these big-time college football or, or whatever. And next thing you know, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave because of whatever this and that next year comes spend, out a year I later. To, I need to spend more time with my family. Yeah, and then it comes out a year and a half later that there's, you know, inappropriateness of, of you know, funds or whatever it may be. So, yeah, he – I don't – I mean, I don't know that he absolutely – that he knew it was coming, but I don't know. You just don't leave a general managing position in the NHL if you – just because you're bored. Yeah, true. <clears throat> well, Jay, as it is our 21st episode, meaning our 21st birthday – the party bus is loaded up and we're off and running. Our first stop is in Middlebury, Vermont, home of the Middlebury College Panthers and our first guest, Junior Ford, Emac Bentley. Hockey has been a big part of our first guest's life. He played AAA hockey with the Cleveland Barons organization up through U18 before embarking on a junior career that took him east to New England and south to Texas. Eventually, it landed him on the campus of Middlebury College in Vermont, where he is entering his junior season and majoring in economics with a minor in sociology. The Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast welcomes Solon, Ohio native and summer elite league sniper, Emac Bentley. Welcome to the show, Emac. So glad to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. So, Emac, uh, as uh, we talked a little bit off-air, off, off air, uh, you did move back into college on, on Friday. Um, can you talk to our listeners and us about the protocol that uh, Middlebury has you going through right now? Absolutely. So uh, it actually all started way before we got to campus. Uh, they made us do a 14-day home quarantine. Um, so before you came back to campus, you had to spend two weeks, uh, you know, at home, you know, laying low. Uh, and then once we got to campus, the day you got on campus, you got tested. Um, and as soon as you got tested, you then went into room quarantines. You were not allowed to leave your room. Uh, for the next uh, few days until you get results. Uh, and then I just got my results back. I actually turned out negative, uh, so that's great. But um, and now I'm on campus quarantine, uh, so I'm not allowed to leave campus uh, for the next for the foreseeable future uh, until we move through the next phase. They're doing it phase-wise. So in phase two, then we can leave campus and go into town uh, and grab, you know, like, you know, stuff for the room, whatever, you know, toothpaste. 
Um, and then phase three, you know, moves into like the greater Addison County here in Vermont, which is even bigger. Um, so that's that's kind of the schools approaching it and hoping to just create uh, Vermont's one of the few places to uh, not have that many cases. So they're just hoping to create uh, a bubble here uh, on campus like Vermont uh, seems to have already had. So good. Good. So when you when you were there for your first three or four days, uh, you said you got there Friday. So two days, two and a half days. Uh, how did like did they bring food to the room like how did that that work for you i mean yeah so we uh we me and my uh, roommate actually brought a good amount of food but yes they brought us every single meal um they were actually vegan meals uh so let's be honest they were not that great but um (laughs) (laughs) sorry to our vegan listeners out there but you know (laughs) sorry but um in my opinion with all due respect uh, they were not that great but um we survived, and uh, now we're allowed to go to the dining hall, pick up our food, and bring it to you know our room or somewhere else on campus that we want to right. eat it. So no eating in the dining yeah, halls yet. Good, good. Well, good. We'll stay safe. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But for starters, how did the Summer Elite League go for you this year? And who were some of the guys you got to play with, uh, and how did District 5 do as a team? Oh, the Summer Elite League. This was uh, – I got to give credit to uh, Russ Sinkowicz, uh, the program and the, the summers he's built here for me. Uh, in Cleveland, it's been uh, phenomenal. Every year, it just seems to get better and better. The talent, um, and so I played, um, like you said, on District Five. We had a pretty good year. Ended up losing the semifinals, um, but you know the the league is just stacked every year. On my team alone, we had uh, Timmy Gettinger, who was drafted fifth round of the New York Rangers. Um, he actually left midsummer and went into the NHL bubble, and then came back for our last playoff game, and you know did really well for us, scored a bunch of goals. Um, so. Yeah. He, he is. He's a stud. That's that's beyond uh, beyond its own words. But <laughs> we had, um, gosh, I think three or four Robert Morris players that you've talked to a few of them, I believe. Um, a Bentley player, um, and then a few D three players like myself. Um, Jake Gatos plays SUNY Cortland. Um, Ryan Herpy at Albertus Magnus, and then uh, yeah, we just had we had a really good team, really fun year. Um, it came up short, but. Couldn't, couldn't be more thankful for uh, what Russ put together. You know, we weren't supposed to have anything, so for what we got, couldn't be, couldn't be happier. Let, let me ask you uh, just a quick question. We talked to, uh, uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Aiden and uh, Aiden Speltsy and Quinn Wormuth uh, later on in the show, but uh, how do you think that helps you in your training uh, throughout the summer? I mean, we're very fortunate to have Russ putting that on for our elite players here in Cleveland. Um, what does that do for you as a player throughout the summer? Oh, just the, the talent alone. Like you go into, you walk in every game knowing you're going to get, it's going to be a battle. You know, they're not, it's not a normal summer league. Uh, if that makes sense. Like people are yeah. back checking, mm-hmm. people are making plays, people are like blocking shots. Like it's the real deal. Um, so the, not only does it keep your game up, but when you play with players that, uh, you know, play at extremely high levels, uh, that's just going to elevate your game as well. Uh, you're going to see things they do. I can remember in our last game uh, with Timmy, was playing defense the whole game, but he had like four points, but that's another story. Um, but he was playing defense, and uh, one of the younger kids on Noom, I can't remember who it was, you know, kind of tried to skate the puck into the corner, and Tim just made one, like, simple stick check, and, you know, like, stick check, boom, had the puck, and he was headed up ice before the kid even knew what happened. And so I'm sure that kid now learned, you know, just from that getting his butt whooped like that kind, you know what I mean? Like you learn from <laughs> stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Um, that um, I did just playing with guys that, you know, are a higher level than you um, or not even necessarily higher level than you, just to have those skills. Um, they're going to help your skills in the long run as well. Absolutely. So you grew up in Solon playing AAA mm-hmm. hockey. How do you think playing for the Barons in the tier one elite uh, league help prepare you to reach the next level as, as a hockey player? 
Oh, well, so before the Barons, I just played kind of double A, you know, my around my hometown, Cleveland Suburban Hockey League, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and for a small stint with the Ohio 98 Selects um, that actually did pretty well. But the um, before the Barons, I never really saw that what the top tier talent of hockey looked like. Um, so the first year I played for the Barons, it was, uh, you know, I can't remember when, but all the, it was the first time 13, I saw 13, 14. 13, 14, exactly. Yeah. So all the, that was the first time I'd seen all the guys in my age group that you'd hear about growing up, kind of like okay. these kids are, he's the next level players. Like these kids, you know, are going to, you know, get drafted to the NHL, USHL, you know, whatever. Um, and so seeing them and seeing the talent that's in my own age group from all around the country, um, it, it was just kind of eye opening to see how good kids are and, you know, where you stack up and rank against the rest of them. Um, and so it's a great test. Not only is it a great test, but it's a great, you know, just, uh, learning lesson to see to see where you are so i uh i loved it love the challenge good like most players you needed a little extra seasoning before moving on to the college game talk us through you navigating the process of finding the right spot to play in junior hockey um how did you end up in new hampshire and then uh then how did you end up uh down in uh lone star yep so um the ended up in new hampshire i was they saw me play at a tier one elite league showcase um, in New Jersey, I believe. Um, so I started talking to their coaches there um, and just kind of kept connection with them the entire season. Um, I didn't, I thought, I thought I wanted to play in like the, the null um, or, you know, the, um, the BCHL, one of those two leagues, um, my first year of juniors. Um, but I knew that in the end, if I weren't, weren't able to get on one of those teams, you know, I still needed a place to play um, and, you know, help my, and not only a place to play, but a place that'll help me, you know, grow my career and flourish. Um, so I, I ended up talking to them for, um, I mean, the, you know, the entirety of the season. Um, and then it really came down to their main camp. I mean, I went to a few all main camps, uh, made a few all-star games, but it wasn't really, nothing was really catching um, at that point. So I, it all kind of came to fruition when I went to their main camp and um, just had, had a great camp, uh, ended up being fortunate enough to make their team um, and really liked what the coaches were saying. You know, they kind of said it, uh, if this, if, even if, this isn't the, cause I, I told them, you know, I wanted to play in like the knowledge the BCHL, one of those places, you know, when I ended up and they said, you know, Hey, even if this isn't the place you want to be, it's a great building block and you'll learn, you know, you'll learn about the game. You'll hone some more of your skills and it can be, it can be a stepping stone. So I think that's one of the great things about the, that year was it might not have been where I wanted to be, but it definitely helped me get to where I wanted to go. If that makes sense. And I think that's, that's huge advice to our young players, Emac about it, just because, I mean, hell, I want to win the lottery, but I, I don't every day. And, mm-hmm. but I, but I keep trying. Right. And yep. it, it might not be where they want to be right now. That doesn't mean you have to stop working. And you're a great example of that. You, you just said it straight candidly. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in the North American league, but I'm here now. So I might as well make the best of it so I can get to the North American league. I think that's mm-hmm. great. I think that's great advice. So how was, how was your year in Dallas, Fort Worth and how big of a jump was it from tier three to tier two? How my year, so my year in Dallas Fort Worth was phenomenal. Uh, Dan Wildfong, who's the coach there, um, is one of the craziest people I've ever met in my life. But he's, uh, <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. He's you know the most caring, uh, wants nothing but the best for his guys. Um, but he's very intense, and he'll get right in your face, and let you know what his thoughts are. Um, so as far as that, you know, I learned that's more like a life skill, I guess. I learned how to deal with all kinds of people because it was my the first coach to kind of really got in my face um really you know gave it to me um and that's just a great life skill i needed to learn at some point so i'm very thankful happened there and you know rather than the real world uh you know when when it's you know the life's on the line whatever 
But um, yeah, I mean, as far as the hockey went, the all South is the is just absolutely brutal. There was almost a fight every you know every game. Uh, every time you touch the puck, you get hit, no matter where you are on the ice. Um, it's a, it's a whole new ball game for sure. But uh, it was definitely a great learning experience because not only do you see the the physical part of the game, because like I said, you're going to get hit, but we had some our goal that got drafted uh, to the NHL to the Capitals. So like it was there was the real deal skill wise too. Like everyone could play hard and everyone could play well at the same time. So. It was a huge adjustment just to see how all, you know, size, speed, skill, everything just comes to fruition um, at the end. But I guess that's the, the difference I'd say between the two leagues was, whereas in the EHL, which is now the NC, it would be an NCDC NC yeah. now, yeah. Um, right? Correct. Thank you. Or US, um, I think some part of it's like the USPHL premier and then there's also the NCDC. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess the what's difference between the two is with the NAL is that everything was like you bring everything together, everything comes to fruition, size, speed, skill, you know, everything. Whereas maybe in the EHL and NCDC, you were lacking one piece. Like every player was kind of lacking one, not necessarily lacking a piece, but if that makes sense, like one thing about their game wasn't ready to move on to the next level. So, so you did mention something about the, the, the North American hockey league South. Do you think the South uh, in that league plays different than maybe the North? Yes, a thousand percent. Um, and that's something everyone has, should know about this, their own style of game. Um, like the South, you are going to get hit every single time you touch the ball. Um, every game you play, every game's close. Um, yes, their teams like Lone Star, where I played, is a powerhouse every single year because they're like the coach is phenomenal, like I said. But every game is close. Like it was very, we only had a handful. We played 60 games in the year. I think we had a handful, maybe three or four that were blowouts either way. Um, so it was every game is a, you know, one, two goal game. Um, but in the North, I've, yes, I have seen that even if you can tell the stats kind of that people are, it's not as physical, um, more skilled, more high, more high end hockey up and down the ice like that, rather than the, the grind of the South. So. Gotcha. All right. So was it once you got to the North, North American league that you started to get college looks or were you getting some looks, uh, in the, uh, EHL or now the, which is the NCDC? Um, and if so, at any point, uh, what schools were you considering? And can you walk us that old recruiting process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my first year in the NC in the EHL now NCDC um, that league, I was getting looks, but they were for Division three schools, and they were maybe smaller end, um, not as great uh, for me. It was all not only about the hockey, but academics as well. Um, so for me, um, I, I, they were not great hockey schools per se, but not necessarily the best academic schools. Um, so I just felt like I wanted to keep my options open, um, throughout that, throughout that time and went into the second year in the null and knew I could get some better, better looks for, you know, both, uh, both academics and hockey. Um, so when I got to the null, um, I talked to a lot that that's when I started talking to most, a lot of division three schools, um, going everywhere from Middlebury ended up to, um, UMass Boston, um, some the newer schools in like Indiana, Aurora University and um, Illinois, trying that's the one in Indiana I'm thinking, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a ton of schools everywhere. Um, but I, like I said, I was focused on the, um, on the academics. So uh, that's what kind of led me to Middlebury to the NESCAC, the New England Small College Athletic Conference, something like that. Um, and they're all just, you know, kind of great a- academic schools when the hockey's phenomenal as well. So um 
that's how I made my decision. Uh, but to be completely honest with you, I actually talked to um, who was it? Bentley and West Point for a stint in my at the end of my second year of juniors. Um, but I actually decided to go and uh, just you know kind of start my start my college life, start my college career, and go to Middlebury because I didn't want to take that extra year. Um, so. I do. I don't really regret like seeing my friends that, that played the, you know, that took the extra time and took the extra year to play division one. Um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, they get a bunch of free sticks and stuff, which I'm <laughs> jealous of. And I, I do, take, I do take all the time, but, um, I don't know. I guess I want to like, it's no, the D3 hockey is not bad hockey by any means. So it's, oh, uh, no, not at all. You can definitely play a high level hockey and get a good education, whatever you're looking for. So what made Middlebury the right fit for you? Um, it will first off, I guess I have to say the facilities were phenomenal as far as division three hockey goes. Like our rink, um, I didn't know this, but Middlebury is actually the most winning this, uh, hockey program in all of NCAA history. Um, cause they won like five national championships in a row from like 2000, 2005. So throughout all NCAA, they, which I didn't, I didn't know until that until I got here, honestly, but, um, yeah, they, they have a phenomenal rink. Uh, so it's like, you know, 3,000 people, something like that, huge bowl. Um, once again, the academics. Um, and the big thing that Middlebury kind of honed in on me was the networking um, for after college. Because um, eventually, you know, your career is going to end at some point. You're going to have to get a job. Um, and so, you know, the thing they kind of harped in on me was that their networking uh, was so it was phenomenal to compared to others. So and they could, I could get the best job. So something I never thought I'd, you know, look at a school for, but in the end of the day, when you're kind of thinking about what you want to do with your life, that job stuff kind of matters. <laughs> so <laughs> Absolutely. Eventually it sneaks up on you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so the NESCAC is, is one of the top D3 leagues in the East coast. Can you tell our listeners what the competition is like at that level and how the season went for yourself personally and the team last season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the NESCAC is made up of mostly, uh, junior players so we get a lot of players from most of the tier two junior leagues around the uh north america um so Nall, bc um aj oj um a lot of those east coast like ncdc teams um and then you'll get a, a lot of division one transfers so guys that weren't playing and um like they were division one schools that wanted to uh, you know to go somewhere and play uh, you get a lot of transfers as far as that regard and then it's very, it's pretty rare these days. You do often get a, you do sometimes get a prep student, like a kid from prep school that comes straight out of prep school and plays. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the makeup of the league. As far as how the year went, my team, we ended up fourth um, home playoff game uh, for top eight teams in the playoffs. Uh, we ended up losing the first round, so we were out. But um, to Wesleyan, but we had a pretty good year. We. Uh, the Middlebury was, uh, I talked about how they were great back in the 2000s, but they've been on a real downturn the past uh, like five, six years. Um, so when I, my, we got in my freshman year, it was the first time they broke 500 or 500, something like that, in like 10 years. And we've gotten each better every year. So um, I don't know what, what the season's going to look like this year, but so far, if we are able to have a season, we, uh, we expect to be even better. Were, were you guys shut? Like, so you said you got knocked out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. How, how close like and then did did it just shut down or um what what time of the year were were you guys knocked out of the playoffs so we lost february 28th the last saturday in february okay um and then 
the team we lost who actually won the whole tournament um, the next weekend. So they won the next weekend. And then um, the next week is when we all got sent home. Okay. That, okay. In that week there. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, we, we ended up getting to finish our season, but, um, you know, unfortunately the team that won, they didn't get their, their ending that they wanted, right. so, which is the national tournament. Right. right. So you, where you're at in Vermont is one of the most beautiful parts of the United States. Have you been out to Lake Champlain or did you do any skiing in Killington or Stowe? Absolutely. So, um, talk about Lake Champlain. I actually took, I'm an economics major. Um, I took an economics of agriculture class, um, last uh, semester. And we actually went to farms all throughout the area. Um, so I actually went to a few farms right on Lake Champlain. It's the Middlebury's liberal arts school. Um, so very, you know, in depth that way. And, um, I, yeah, I actually went to uh, a bunch of farms throughout the area and a few were on Lake Champlain. So Lake Champlain is beautiful. Uh, we're not allowed to ski. Uh, we signed a we signed a contract when you join the hockey team. You're not allowed to ski, so I'll leave it at that with the skiing. <laughs> but um, yeah, but the, the whole area, of Vermont is it was it's a it was a huge secret for me, a huge well kept secret. So um, yeah, love it up here. So I know you you spoke about the academics was important in choosing a college to attend. Can you tell us about what your future career path is and about your summer internship? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my future career path, uh, we are captain this year, um, or our captains, excuse me, from last year, uh, got an offer to go play pro in France. Um, so that is, people are, there. there's some uh, option to play professional hockey after after college, um, but I just have to see, I guess, if, it, if it'll be worth it in the end, you know, at the same time, you know, taking two years off, I do kind of want to get my life started. All my friends just graduated, started their real jobs. Um, some people call me crazy because, you know, why would you want to start working? But um, I don't know. So maybe I guess the the question, the answer is I don't know. To, to be clear, honest with you, I don't know what I'd want to do. Say if I was, you know, able and willing and able to get that opportunity to go play, you know, somewhere in Europe right. or something like that. Um, and then as far as my internship, I actually was supposed to move to Boston this summer. So that's another reason I'm so, you know, I'm not thankful for COVID, but, um, you know, a few underlying blessings, I guess, being home, being able to play in the cell with all my friends. Um, but uh, yeah, I was actually supposed to move to Boston um, and work for Cabot Properties. They're an industrial commercial real estate company, so they buy and sell warehouses. Um, and I was just kind of an, an intern, like an analyst for them, just underwriting properties and um, you know just learning the business in a way. I think commercial real estate is something I'm interested in. I'm not sure that's what I want to end up doing, but uh, so far I've I've loved it. Well, and and I think one of one of the things that that I as I, I listen to you talk, Emac and and. Um, I hope that our younger listeners are really hearing this is that hockey is a major part of your life and, and many other people's lives. However, the realistic part of it is that I want to go play pro hockey somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. But I also have to have a, a plan as well. And the yeah. fact that you're, you're choosing your school and you're choosing your career path based off of hockey. And if hockey doesn't work, what else can I do? That, that, that ought to be, um, I want our young listeners to really understand that and, and, and to be an ambassador like that. I think that's great and very commendable on, on your end, Emac. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I got to thank my parents. They've uh, done a lot for me throughout the years. Um, I owe everything to them. So 
right. yeah, I appreciate that. That's right. Cool. Well, we definitely appreciate your time here talking to us a little about your career, uh, where you're going. We, we, uh, we look forward to continuing following you, uh, at Middlebury college. Um, I, I really hope that you, and we hope that all you guys are able to get a, a season in this year. Um, God willing. Um, I'm happy that middle Middlebury is doing what they're doing for you guys to keep you guys safe, uh, throughout this whole process, because that's most importantly, that is the number one thing. Um, and if you guys do get a season, good luck. We're going to keep tabs on you. Would love to have you back on the show uh, throughout the season. Uh, maybe if you guys get going January, December, whatever, we could check back in with you, uh, talk to you guys. Maybe we could have – I would love to have maybe you and our next guests, you know, Quinn and, and uh, Aiden Spellacy, maybe the three of you guys come on and just kind of chat it up with us and kind of go from there. So Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me. Um, it was a great summer, and I love what you guys are doing, so keep it up. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Emac. I appreciate it. Good luck to you and stay safe. Thank you very much. Have a good one, guys. Our next stop on our 21st birthday, we roll into Neville Island, Pennsylvania, and the Robert Morris University Island Sports Center to meet up with our next guest from the Robert Morris University Colonials hockey team, Aiden Spellacy and Quinn Wormuth. Aiden Spellis, he was a prolific scorer at St. Ignatius High School, playing in one of the most famous or infamous high school hockey games in the state history and leading to the team to a state championship as a senior, his second season as a captain of the Wildcats. Following a swing through the Lone Star State to play some high-level junior hockey, he landed an NCAA Division I scholarship at Robert Morris University, where he enters his junior year. And ho- hockey has really taken Quinn Wormwood places, literally. After playing for St. Ignatius and the Cleveland Barons, he embarked on a nomadic four-year career in the North American Hockey League, playing for five different teams in the Tier 2 junior circuit. Last season, he started the career in the NAHL, but landed on the RMU campus for the second semester. Please welcome to the On Air podcast from St. Ignatius High School and Robert Morris University, Aiden Spellacy and Quim Wormuth. Welcome, guys. Appreciate it. How are you? Thanks for having us. So I, I think we'll get started. We're going to talk a lot about your guys' career through Cleveland hockey and and uh, then the high school and then junior ranks and all that. But right now, um, as, as we sit here and um, we talked before we got on air, um, you guys are currently at Robert Morris university uh, going through your uh, protocol of uh, whatever they're doing with the COVID-19 protocol. Can you share a little bit about that uh, with our uh, listeners? Yeah. So, I, I mean, just to start, we, I mean, they've handled it very, very well since we've gotten to campus. I mean, we got tested, right when we got to campus and then we got tested 48 hours after that. And then we had a quarantine for like around a week after. So we've been kind of just hanging out for that time. We started workouts this week and they've been running very well. I mean, we're in groups of my group is a group of five Quinn group of eight. So we're just kind of in small groups right now, getting back into the swing of things. And as, Aiden, as you mentioned, before we got on air, uh, they're keeping you within the pods pretty much of who you live with. Is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's who you live with and kind of who you'd come into contact with. So, like, Quinn has a different house. So, like, I guess he could hang out with those guys and kind of intermingle with those guys. But my house, we're just supposed to stick stick with each other for, for the time being. I think they're doing, like, different phases. So this is phase one and then phase two and then fa- ultimately phase three. Right. What, what is such a different time, actually? We talk, When we talked before, Quinn, you did mention that when I asked if you guys were on campus, you said, yeah but we haven't seen each other since we've been here. Um, and I'm sure you guys have seen each other throughout the summer, throughout uh, the SEL. And we're going to talk about that. But now that you get to campus, 
Now you have to quarantine yourself, which listen, I think is a, is a great move. Great, uh, uh, procedure to put into place. But I found it kind of interesting, Quinn, as you said, yeah, we're here, but we haven't seen each other. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely is different. Like I said, all of our workouts are staggered and we're pretty much not even allowed to see some of the other guys on our team if we're not in the same pod as them. So that's definitely different. But like Spells said, they're handling everything really well. And obviously our goal is to play a season. So we're willing to do whatever we can to uh, be committed to the program and just make the season happen. So it seems like a couple long weeks here, but it, it'll pay off if we get to play a full season ahead. So what, what is the protocol? So you wake up in the morning and you mask up to go to whatever func- team function you have to be at and then mask up after that. Are, are you are you masked constantly or do you have to go to a testing uh, scenario situation before you get to camp or before you get to wherever your training will be? So we got tested as soon as we got to campus. We all came back negative. So as of now, we're not getting tested unless I guess they see we have to. Okay. Um, so we're basically, we have, we start classes on Monday. Some of us in class, some of us online. Um, like for example, I have three online classes and then three in class. Um, but then we, when we go to workouts and stuff, we have to wear a mask, the full workout, which can be pretty difficult I'm because sure. it's all the sweating and all that. But, um, yeah, so we wear a mask whenever really we go out in public or do anything like that as everyone else kind of is doing too. So, well, we appreciate you giving our listeners and us a little inside look of what, uh, it, I guess we could call it like your little bubble is, uh, we had an opportunity to talk to, uh, Tim Gettinger the other day online. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to that, but he shared with us what, um, his, uh, time was like out in the bubble in Toronto with, uh, uh, the Rangers. So, uh, very similar, you know, keeping to yourself and, and, uh, but I like Quinn, like what you said, it, it, it might be a long couple of weeks, but if it allows you guys to have a full season, then it's definitely well worth it. So, yes, um, so this question, I mean, I guess let's start off with, with, with a question to both you guys. Uh, I mean, probably the most important question was how, how did the SCL, uh, summer go for you guys? Uh, what teams did you play on? Uh, does the league help you guys keep sharp, uh, in the summertime? Yeah, I was on, or, or Quinn, or, whoever, <laughs> whoever. Yeah, um, I was on the uh, Tropics. So as you know, I was on uh, Russ Sinkwich's team. I'm, he's been on here a couple times. So that's a big, that's a good group. We got there, mix of some older guys, some uh, some guys that are retired, and then some younger guys. So we had a pretty good season. We uh, lost in the semifinals, but uh, the cell is definitely something I think we all look forward to in the summer and even more so this summer, I'd say just, you know, everybody getting their seasons cut short and then we're off the ice for so long. I think this season there was a little bit of extra fire and everyone. So it was a lot of fun to be out there. You know, you see some of your buddies, but it's competitive as well. Yeah. Like, like Quinn said, it's, I, it was a lot of fun playing. This is my third year playing with district five. So it's, uh, we have a really good group. We have like Timmy who was just on, um, we actually had like three other Robert Morris guys on our team, a guy from Bentley. Um, so we had quite, quite a good mix of division one and D three guys as well. And it's just a lot of fun to kind of show up and play with your buddies. It's, it's, it is very competitive. Like it's all kind of jokes until you get going and then you, you ultimately want to win the game. So you, you play hard. Um, but yeah, it, it, it helps you keep sharp as in like kind of the flow of the game because as as you guys all know, when you're practicing and stuff, you can, you can try and make it as game like as you possibly can. But when you're playing actual hockey, it, it kind of is its own different animal. So it's, it's, uh, it's definitely helps us keep sharp in that sense. Yeah. So how do you, how do you think that league helps you guys stay sharp in the summer? 
I mean, like I, I know, uh, I don't know which one of you guys said it earlier, but you said that you look forward to it every year because it's high level, but it's also good to see the guys. Um, you know, how, you know, I don't, I don't know too many other, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are, I'm just not educated on it. How many other cities have a league like that at a high level to keep our high level players in the city uh, sharp as a tech. So, you know, what does that do for you guys individually? Yeah, I, uh, I definitely, like Spells said earlier, it kind of just keeps you in the flow of the game. You know, we do, uh, usually in our training, we do uh, skills on Tuesdays, and then we do flow drills on Fridays. And, you know, that doesn't really compare to what a real game is like, you know, getting the pressure and, you know, finding the seams that are open and just kind of like playing in a real game. You can't really simulate that in a practice. So just for us to get out there and definitely get our legs underneath us and, you know, compete, definitely that's one of the biggest things is sometimes in the summer, even in practices, guys are just kind of joking around or, you know, they're not, you're not going super hard, but when we get into a game like scenario, guys are competing and ultimately guys want to win when they get out there. So that's huge for us to uh, be able to do that. Cause like you said, we, I don't know any other places really that are even close to us besides maybe Minnesota that has a league like that in the summer. But right. as far as uh, yeah, our area, I think Chicago is a pretty good one. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really, I don't think Detroit, I know, I know a lot of guys from Detroit. I don't think they have like an organized league like we do where you have guys who are division one guys, pro guys, division three guys, <clears throat> really all levels, but high caliber hockey players that come together and play and make it an interesting summer and a lot of fun too. Yeah. That's awesome. So Aiden, you played with uh, an earlier guest we had today, uh, Emek Bentley yeah. in, in Texas with the Brahmas, correct? Yep. It must have been nice having another Clevelander down in Texas with you at the time, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. We always we joked because Emac and I knew each other growing up and everything, and our dads actually played against each other in high school. Um, and then when he came, our my second year, uh, he went to open camp like I did and made it. So we kind of had similar paths to Lone Star, which is really cool. And then there's actually another. Uh, Cleveland guy who came in later, Stephen Ippery got traded from Amarillo to Lone Star. So we had actually three Cleveland guys on the same team in Texas, which was, I never thought that that would ever happen, but that was, that was really cool. <laughs> to go halfway across the country, just to yeah, three right. guys yeah. from home. That's good. Yeah, it, was, it was crazy. That's awesome. So Quinn, uh, although you did make a stop in Texas with Amarillo, you did not play for the Brahmas. Uh, can you, can you just walk us and our listeners through uh, your whirlwind voyage around uh, the league? Um, and, I, and I say that with the most respect. You know, oh, yeah. I don't say that as, as um, you know, can you talk to us about the teams you played for, why you moved uh, or why they moved you or whatever uh, your path took you to now Robert Morris University? Yeah, definitely. Um, basically, I ended up in Amarillo kind of off a chance. I was, I did, I just finished my U 16 year with the Barons and I wanted to go to a junior camp just to see what that was like. So it was pretty much my last two weeks of the summer. I went to Amarillo's camp and I would, at this time I was just going into my junior year of high school. So I was pretty young. I didn't expect to make the team or anything like that. And I, I skated well at the camp and they offered me to come down to Texas. So it's pretty much like I was on track to head into my junior year at Ignatius. And then it was like, you know, you got two weeks to decide if you're going to come down to Texas or not. So I ended up going down and um, I made the team and that year um, the head coach was Matt Nicholson. So he's now at uh, Niagara and he was great with me. You know, I had to do all my schooling online and everything like that. It was a lot of change for me in a short amount of time. So my first year in Amarillo was great. And then uh, 
coming back for my second year, um, Matt had left and we got Rocky Russo as the head coach. And, you know, he kind of went on a trading frenzy, I guess, you know, he, he wasn't happy with how we were doing. And like uh, Spells said, we had a guy like Stephen Ifri, who's a really skilled player. He's now at Mercyhurst. You know, he got traded over to Lone Star. There was just a lot of movement and I ended up getting traded to um, Cooley region. And so I got, I got there at the deadline and then uh, finished out the season there. And then uh, my luck uh, coolly folded. So then I ended up uh, in Maryland, which was the expansion team. And I was uh, named the captain there. So that was a good season for me. And um, then at the deadline there, um, we weren't even close to making playoffs. And I was kind of trying to put a final push on things. And I ended up in Minot. And um, then, you know, Minot, we were a really good team, but it was so far away from home. And I had some family issues and some health issues. So going into my next year, I uh, requested a trade to Johnstown. And I, I couldn't be happier because that put me in the position I am now with getting to go to Robert Morris and everything like that. So, um, it's kind of how I know it's, uh, it seems like it, it was a long four years, but it almost happened in a blink of an eye. So, but uh, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. So. Right. So you don't usually don't see, and for our listeners, you, you, you joined Robert Morris at the start of the second semester, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you usually don't, I mean, that's usually, um, uncommon. Um, right. I, can you walk us through how that, or, uh, that whole situation? Yeah. Um, well, Robert Morris was a school that I had been talking to, uh, probably for the year prior to that. I remember I texted spells telling him that one of the assistant coaches I talked to, and I remember spells text me back. He's like, Hey man, like I'll definitely, you know, talk to them. You know, that'd be unreal if you came. And then, you know, sometimes with things with schools, they kind of cool off and then they'll heat back up again. So I would say about three weeks prior, a couple of weeks prior to me joining Robert Morris, I started to talk to the coaches and coach Letizia had kind of mentioned to me that there may be an opportunity to go there and be able to step into the lineup right away. And, you know, you, you don't get, you know, college hockey division one is very hard to make. So um, it was kind of an offer I couldn't refuse. And especially for me, like you said, I, I've been halfway around the world, it feels like. So for me to get yeah. the opportunity to you know, be pretty close to home and step into a situation with guys like Aiden and Nick Jenny and uh, Brennan McCallion, who are all guys that I played with or known before. It just seemed like the right fit. So um, it kind of happened pretty quick, but uh, I'm really thankful that it did. So Aiden, you're two-time captain at St. Ignatius High School. We got to take you back, take you back in the day, if you will. Um, you were involved in the Northview game, seven overtime. Yeah. Let's everybody have the trophy game which blows my mind because you guys, when you were playing previous in either pre or post or, or your, your youth hockey, you were playing three to five games in a weekend, but for some reason the state felt the need to split that. Can you take us through that seven overtime game and eventually how satisfying was it to then beat university school in 2016 to win that title? Yeah, uh, that game was, I mean, it was just, absolute madness i mean i remember i think we outshot him like almost 100 to 30 or something crazy like that like that goalie played the game of his life and i mean he played unbelievable but it was just like we hit three different posts like just the craziest like circumstances were happening that just they wouldn't go in the net for whatever reason but i mean on our bench i know we were we all wanted to finish the game we were i mean obviously you played to, to have a winner and you wanted right. to win and, uh, I mean, we were, I personally, I know our locker room was all fine and like hydrated. We had snacks. We all were stretching. No one was cramping. I mean, as you said, we play, I've played up to six games in a weekend before. So like, it's, I mean, 
I wasn't, I was tired, but I wasn't fatigued to the point where I felt they needed to call a game. But ultimately, I don't know whose decision it ultimately was or who agreed upon what. But I mean, it was, it was a weird feeling because at one point you were happy that you were called a state champion, but at the other, you were, it was, it just didn't feel right because it's, you play to win and, and you're sharing the title with someone else and it felt a little, little awkward and a little weird, but then fast forwarding to 2016, when we went down to Columbus, I mean, that was playing my junior and senior year. It almost felt like we wanted to win so badly to like make 2014 feel like it was deserved. And like I played with my brother who was a senior that in 2014. And like, I know he kind of had a little bit of a bitter taste in his mouth. So I kind of always get to mess around with him that I actually have a real, (laughs) um, but yeah, so that was 2016 was an awesome year and we went down there and we won it. It kind of, it made us feel like we, we really earned that state championship and we were the sole winners finally. <laughs> what what was the mood in that, the Northview game? What was the mood on the bench? What were the guys saying? Was it just like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Or yeah. not, not that anyone was doubting that you guys could continue to play, but what was, what was being said on the bench or what was being said in the dressing room that just, yeah. No. I mean, obviously we, it it's was, a state championship. Yeah. You don't, you don't yeah. really have much to say, but what were the guys saying? I mean, yeah, we were all confident. We were, we thought for sure we were going to eventually one of these pucks were going to fall in the net. And I mean, we were, we were, let's keep going until we score. Like we, we were, we were ready and prepared and felt great to keep going as long as it took to win the game. We were confident pumping each other up, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it was a weird ending, but I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? It's out of, it was out of our hands, I guess. To, right. And what, what do you remember about that ending? Cause if I recall correctly, you guys were basically on the ice warming up and then yeah. told that the game was going to be called. What, what do yeah. you remember from that? I mean, I don't, I, we had no clue that there were even talks of them ending the game. And then we were out there skating around ready for the seventh, seventh or eighth overtime. And even, I, I can't even remember. <laughs> and, uh, and then we got called over by Coach O'Rourke, and he told us what what was going on. We all were just kind of like shocked and just didn't know how to react. I mean that that our state championship picture. I was actually looking at it the other day. It was it's the weirdest picture of all time because you have some guys who are like kind of like throwing up the one and like happy a little bit. Then you have like other guys who look like they just were crying a couple tears and like it was. It's just it was such a weird picture and such a weird feeling, but. I mean, it's definitely cool to be able to say I played in that game. But right. I remember we got on the bus afterwards and we were like ESPN articles, like New York Times, like a bunch of different articles about it. And it was like, I guess this is cool, but I probably would have rather had my own state championship, right. honestly. But I talked I talk to Coach Work on your bus ride on the way home and um, he's like, Sully, this is the craziest thing I've ever felt because we won a state championship. But we don't have a trophy. North, yeah, took it right? home with them. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, we didn't even have it. I was, I was like, so what, how do we, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> I said, why did you let them take it? He's like, yeah. uh, I didn't know what to do, man. I uh, like, okay, yeah, that whatever. Was, yeah. And that was the first, I had a, I think I had a breakaway. I was going to have a breakaway in like the fourth or fifth overtime. And I got taken down by a trip and they called me for an embellishment penalty. And I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, they took me to the penalty box. I was like, what, what is, what do you tell me? I faked it. I'm going on a breakaway in the fifth overtime. You tell me I fell. 
yeah, it, was just, it was it was just a weird it was a weird feeling, but definitely cool to say I played in that game. So, so this this next uh, uh, couple questions is going to go to both you guys, and and um, you know we'll start with Quinn. You know, making that jump from um, the North American League to NCAA uh, is is always probably is a, is a big jump, um, but. Both you guys are now playing the highest level of college hockey, Division One hockey, which is is a commendable thing. And congratulations to both of you on that. Um, Quinn, talk to us real quick about playing in the North American League last year, jumping halfway through the year, and then having to play NCAA Division One hockey. You know what was the hardest part of keeping your head above water a little bit? Yeah, it was definitely a big transition. Like I said, I, I was in Johnstown that week, and I think we were going to play uh, Jamestown Rebels, and then all of a sudden I'm at uh, PPG playing Penn State. So that was uh, a big difference. I think one of the biggest things coming from junior hockey is that uh, everything's pretty black and white in college hockey, and there's always a right or wrong play to be made. And even if you're in the right spot or you think you're making the right play, you can still get exposed. So I think it just comes down to the details of the game. You know, everybody's a lot bigger, faster, stronger, they're harder on the puck. And I think in junior hockey, you can get away with some things and get away with some bad habits if you can put up points, but in college hockey, you know, that, that gets exposed pretty quick. And I think that was shown to me pretty early on in my college career. And I think that's one of those things that takes some time getting used to and everything like that. And Aiden, for you going into your sophomore year last year, how much more prepared or confident were you uh, knowing that you had that freshman season underneath your belt going into sophomore year, you kind of had, you knew the routine. Um, Could you feel a sense of more confidence going into your sophomore season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like it's, I guess I even compare it to like in junior between your first and second year, you just, you become more comfortable. The game kind of slows down a little bit more for you. You, you've been there, you kind of know how it works. Not that it's any easier, but it's, it's definitely, you, you feel more confident knowing that you've been there before and been able, had a little bit of success there. So yeah, definitely. It felt, I felt a lot more prepared, a lot more confident going into my sophomore year than my freshman year. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good. And, and we both, for both of you guys, we know that change is, um, is, is difficult at some point, whether it's a new team, new school, whatever it may be, you know, Quinn, so you make a change halfway through last year. Did, did knowing people in the locker room, knowing other players in the locker room, make that transition a bit easier for you? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's pretty intimidating to walk into a division one locker room, you know, regardless if you're coming in as, you know, beginning of the season or especially me coming in through halfway, you know, these guys have been together for four months already and you know, they're, they're good buddies. So having guys like spells and Jenny and, you know, BMEC, like I said before, to be able to take me under their wing and just kind of tell me, you know, just relax, man. Like you're here, you, you know, enjoy it. You know, you don't need to be on edge all the time. So that was huge for me. I, I think it was a really good uh, situation that I was put into. So I'm pretty fortunate for that. So Quinn, you mentioned uh, in your previous comment that you were supposed to be playing in the North American league. And then next thing you know, you're playing against uh, Penn state, you know, so I guess this will go to both you guys uh, in, in any sport, hockey, basketball, whatever it is, what it is. We all have those guys that we play against that we're like, damn, those guys are really good. You know, <clears throat> what are some of the best players that you've played against in, in division one hockey so far that when you guys are going to that place going, well, this guy, I know this guy is going to be running up and down the ice. I know this guy is going to be doing the same thing. I mean, well, absolutely. well, Penn State, I mean, they're obviously a great program. They, I mean, they're a fairly new program, but they've had so much success in their short time of being a Division One program. And they've had guys who have played for, like, the U.S. national team and, like, 
world juniors and that kind of stuff. So I like, uh, I'm pretty sure like Evan Barrett, I'm pretty sure played for the, like the U S world junior team. And like, he's another centerman. So you're kind of lining up taking draws against, against guys who you've kind of watched, honestly, like I would watch world juniors on TV and stuff and you'd see that. So it was definitely cool playing them. And then we played, we had the opportunity to go out and play Arizona state this year. And that was a really cool experience. Um, to go out, I've never been that far out west to begin with, so that was cool. But then to play like a high caliber program like Arizona State, where they I'm pretty sure they had two guys sign NHL entry deals this year, too. So, like, there's just there's great players, and I mean, there's great players in every college division one hockey team, sure. so it's it's high, it's high level all the time, it's awesome. But definitely to like play against guys who you know are getting looks at like that higher level and kind of comparing yourself and seeing where you stand with them is definitely, definitely a cool opportunity. Do you guys, did you get a chance to uh, uh, enjoy the West coast a little bit? I mean, how long were you guys out there? How many games did you play? Yeah, I see this played, Jade, look at the smiles know, on their face. They, 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 they both simultaneously <laughs> smiled. So something good happened. Damn. I got to get out to the West coast, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Uh, we played, we went at, we went there actually at the end of January um no bad time was, to go out there huh? how was the weather how was yeah. the weather good? oh it was 75 and sunny we got there i think it was wednesday we got there we played friday saturday and then we left sunday night so we had a little bit of time to kind of enjoy like we are the hotel we stayed at had a pool and stuff so it was cool it was definitely cool to enjoy that was was there good scenery uh at the games like was was were there palm trees or anything like that wink wink yeah yeah there yeah it wasn't wasn't too bad good student section is what i, I, I meant to ask you yeah. it's funny yeah, because yeah, yeah. everyone that ever said to me how in the hell is arizona state going to succeed as a hockey school and i look at them and i'm like are you stupid yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't want to go to who wouldn't want to go to arizona or arizona state yeah, you're telling me hockey. you're telling me guys from Canada who see winter like all the time almost don't want to go down to the West Coast and <laughs> right. Arizona and enjoy nice weather. Yeah, I, I just liked how they said, "Well, it's a new program, and it's going to take a while to establish." And I'm look, I'm, I'm watching this on TV. I'm like, "Don't try to fool me. This is that's stupid." I watch Instagram yeah. too. I know <laughs> what goes on in Arizona State. I'm not dumb. Come on. Trying to talk around it, but let's be honest with it. <laughs> Holy God. So what's it like, and how do you think Coach Schooley does a good job of preparing you guys day in and day out? Yeah, I think uh, Coach Schooley is uh, hes a hard coach, and uh, I think he you know, knows when to push his players, and I think he holds them to a really high standard. So um, I think one of the biggest things for us is you know, we like to compete really hard in practice, and he pushes us to do that. So it's almost easy when you get to the games because you've been doing it all week. So I think he's good at holding us to high standards. And, you know, you, if you battle hard and practice that those habits are going to be created for the game. So I've heard a quote, you know, that the game should be the easy part. And and really, if you have a, the right coach that pushes you, that that's the truth. Yeah. I mean, he's been there since the start of Robert Morris's program. So he, he knows how to run things and he runs things in a very professional and well-organized way that, it makes things for us very easy. The only thing we have to focus on is playing hockey and working hard and doing all that stuff. So it definitely, he does a great job running our program. Absolutely. So for both of you, what was the recruiting process to Robert Morris? And when, when did the school or you make contact with them? And what were some of your other options besides Robert Morris that then you selected to play at Robert Morris or to attend Robert Morris, excuse me. 
Either one, whoever wants to go first. Uh, so for me, it was uh, my first year at Lone Star. Um, I had a okay, I had an okay first year. We we won the Robertson Cup, which was cool. So team wise, we did great, and that was awesome. Uh, individually wise, I didn't really talk to many schools that year, just because it was it was kind of an adjustment year. So um, stepping in and kind of learning the way the way it works and all that. And then my second year, I stepped in and had a little bit more success and kind of earned a. A, a bigger role on our team and kind of towards the middle of the year, uh, I talked, started talking more seriously to uh, like some schools, a lot like Atlantic, like I talked to Robert Morris and then Bentley a little bit and uh, a little bit air force. Um, but ultimately I talked to Robert Morris coach school. He came down and watched uh, one of a weekend when we played Topeka and it was in mid February. And then uh, he watched, I talked to the, him after the game and then I didn't really hear much for about two more weeks. And then I talked to their assistant coach a couple of times. And then right after the season ended, uh, I got a call from, uh, one of the assistant coaches asking to come on a visit. And then I went out and went on the visit and it was a great fit. Loved, loved the campus, loved the, the, uh, the winningness of the program, the way that they, they handle everything. And I, felt right at home immediately and that was it for me that's awesome Quinn how about you yeah for me um I, I started my conversation with RMU um my third year junior when I was in Maryland one of the assistant coaches reached out to me and uh he just was kind of telling me about the campus and about the school and the program and I think he was coming that next weekend to watch in Johnstown and so then I had met one of their assistant coaches then, and this was, they were talking about um, potentially bringing me in like the next year and, you know, things kind of cooled off a little bit, but he came and saw me, I think three or four more times. And um, then going into my season in Johnstown, I had talked to them um, a little bit more. And then I had, had some other schools like uh, Niagara and uh, army. I was, I was considering. And then, you know, when uh, RMU, their defenseman went down with some injuries and then there were some changes being made. Um, you know, they offered me to come in at the semester and I just felt like it was going to be the best fit for me as far as, you know, my other options. And, uh, so then I, it was kind of a no brainer for me to, uh, go in right at the semester. So we we've talked to recruiters. We've talked to scouts on this podcast and we understand what they're looking for from a player's point of view. What have you learned now that were key things that got you recruited? You know, when, when we spoke with, with NHL scouts and they say, and also division one scouts, and they say, we're looking at the whole ball of wax. We're looking at how they play on the ice. What kind of team player are they? Um, if, if they're not in the play, how are they acting? If they're off the ice, how do they interact? What is something from a player's perspective that can, I guess, help you get noticed? Um, for me, it was, if I could, I would tell someone to never take a play or a game off because you really, it's cliche that you never know who's watching, but I literally, I had no idea that Robert Morris was at the game looking at me and I had a, I competed well, I had a pretty good game and, and then that's how I got recruited. So I think never taking a playoff, always working away from the puck and that kind of stuff goes a long way in the eyes of coaches, scouts, whoever it may be. Um, just never taking a playoff is what I would say. Quinn, how about you? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, one of the biggest things, uh, 
to remember. And something that I've been told is, you know, scouts or coaches, they can go online and they can look at your stats. They don't need to, they don't need to come to a game to see that. So that's not what they're there for. If you're, if you have a lot of points, like they can see that they want to see how you compete away from the puck. Like spells said, they want to see what kind of a teammate you are. And I think one of the things for me, like, you know, things happen a little slower for me and, you know, for kids coming up, you should be an advocate of yourself. You know, you, you know, these schools, you can email them, you know, tell them what you're about, you know, force the hand, you know, you, you don't want to sit there at the end of the day, if you don't get an offer or something and regret that you didn't, you know, be an advocate for yourself or push your name out there. I think that that's kind of an underrated thing to do, but I know through my time at junior, I would email schools and, you know, you know, get them to know my name or get them to remember my name or try to get them to come out to a game and see what I'm about. So I think that's one of my biggest pieces of advice is just promote yourself too. You know, and I think that's that's crucial advice because what's the worst thing they could say? No? Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, yeah. at least they're saying something, right? Right. At least they're saying something. So I, I think that's great advice from both of you guys. Um, that And as cliche as it sounds, and, and I hate to say this, but in the world we live in today, you know, we have to, you guys are playing, you guys have to, our other college juniors, high school kids, coaches like us, whatever, we have to coach and play like this may be our last game. Cause you know what? It could get shut down tomorrow, right. you know? And that's, and that's, that's a sad reality that we live in. Um, but it, it is a reality and I hope, and I, I can tell you guys understand that, but I hope a lot of our athletes understand that, you know, like it, just like you said, Aiden, you never know who's in the stands. Well, now we got two things. We never know who's in the stands and you never know if this is going to be your last time you play this year, yeah. you know? So, well, guys, listen, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on, spending some time with us, uh, talking a little bit about your careers uh, so far, not even close to being done. Uh, we look forward to watching you guys succeed uh, even more than what you've already done. Um, so look forward to it. Good luck this year. Both you guys be safe. Uh, and uh, when you're in Cleveland, stop by and say hello. Appreciate it. Thanks cool. for having us on. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Anytime, boys. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. The Ohio Hockey Project recognizes that Cleveland hockey players need to have a truly homegrown, world-class development opportunity right here at home. The project takes great pride and responsibility in being Cleveland's first and original independent skill development organization that sets the industry standard and relentlessly works to break that standard year in and year out. From on-ice sessions to dryland sessions, classroom and video analysis, the Ohio Hockey Project surrounds athletes with every resources they could ever need. Well, Jay, what a great uh, uh, episode uh, today. A couple good interviews with some really young and -and up-and-coming people able to talk to Emac uh, earlier today. What a great opportunity to talk to him. He had some really good messages about uh, choosing his college for his hockey needs, but also his needs after hockey as well. Yeah. I think one of the important things to, to note in the, in uh, the conversation with Emac was that hockey was his vehicle. You know, he, he, he used hockey for his betterment and he chose his school, not just because of a hockey program. He chose it mainly for academics because like he said, at the end of the day, everyone's career has to end. Everyone's playing career has to end. So he has, an excellent fallback plan with his major and the things that he's, he's doing and, and starting to do within that. And the fact that he, you know, early in the conversation, he made mention that 
his first stop in junior in the Eastern Hockey League, he 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 didn't want to be there. But he made the best of the situation in order to use it as a stepping stone to move on. And it was another uh, insightful conversation today with Emac for sure. And then we had a chance to sit down with uh, Quinn Wormuth and Aiden Spellacy from Robert Morris University. And, <clears throat> you know, talking to those guys, the protocol that they're going through, I mean, you know, I, and I really kind of wanted to ask them, and, and I know they wouldn't have the insight. Maybe they would because they're probably not around any of these guys yet. But the protocol that they're going through uh, to get back on campus and play through COVID-19 restrictions, I mean, what? think about an incoming freshman who's worked their tail off finally got a division one scholarship and this is their introduction to division one college hockey, not even division one, division one, division three, whatever it may be. doesn't matter. This is their introduction. Yeah. Come on campus and sit in your room for seven days. Right. And don't talk to anybody. And then start working within a a pod of seven to 10 guys. And then eventually, hopefully as phases get checked off, you get to meet the rest of the team. I mean, I'm sure the guys have been on a Zoom call together in an introductory way, but yeah, but Zoom, know, Zoom calls are—I mean, they're great for where yeah. we're at, but they're—they're they're so not personal, a hundred percent. And so, you know, you're excited. You—you you got this 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 dream of playing uh, whatever higher level hockey, and you're excited. You get to go to campus, and and you have to just delay. I mean, but it's 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 almost. It's almost it's almost a sign of what we're going through now, and as far as what we've been going through since March and all the shutdowns, everything is waiting. Yeah. We don't know the specifics of a, of a virus. We have to wait and figure that out. We don't know all the treatments. We have to wait and find out. We don't know if we can play. We have to wait and find out. So, it's a testament to mental fortitude, man. Because yeah. you have to be pretty strong minded to be able to withstand and be patient. And you just have to trust those that, that make the decisions. They're doing it with the best intentions uh, possible. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But and then, I mean, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, talking with, with those two guys as well. And, you know, especially listening to Quinn Wormuth's the path, man. You know, when we, we, we talked to him a little bit about his voyage across the country, that's what it was, mm-hmm. you know? And I said to him, Hey, no disrespect. And he was like, no, no, I get it. But you look at his career and he has been all over the place but he's been all over the place continuing to try to grow with his goal, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that the message I got from Quinn was you have a dream. And it didn't matter where it took him. He was going to see it through to get the ultimate reward. Right. And he did. And, and you know, heck, he, he, he left juniors midseason to start second semester in college. Right. To start his, his first semester being second semester of the season. Yeah, and I think it's important to know, and 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 I don't know. I mean, as as a high school hockey coach, I, I, I look at those two guys, and I and I look at their career to where they're both at today. All right, and and Quinn found it; it, it was right for him to to leave uh, high school, and it wasn't right for Aiden to leave high school. Aiden finished four years out of, at St. Ignatius High School. Quinn left after his. Sophomore year, or June, whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was going into his junior year. He said. Junior year, right? But they both ended up in the same spot. Yep. So I have to be honest with you, and I'll say it. I don't care. The argument that is you have to leave high school to get to a Division One college. This inter- interview today proved that you don't. Correct. For certain people. For certain people. E- each path is different, and you have to 
know yourself. You have to be honest with yourself about when is right for you. I mean, could Aiden have left early? Yes, 100%. It just wasn't right for him. Right. And, and we've, known, we've known players in the same situation, Jay. Yep. Right. And also, if you go back to Emacs' uh, conversation about how he did get some Division One looks, but Division One wanted him to stay in juniors another year, and that wasn't right for him. 100%. Yes. And he goes to Division Three, which, by the way, is really, really good hockey. Well, those those you put the letters in front of whatever division, it doesn't matter. NCAA. Yeah, right. ACHA. That's college hockey. It's always good. It's like the guys that'll sit there and say, that guy in the NHL stinks. He's in, he's in the National Hockey League. Yeah. I mean, it is all these situations, all of these situations and scenarios are what you make it. So you can look at it and say, like in Emacs case, you can look at it and say, it's not division one, screw it. I'm not going to put the effort in. No, he didn't. He said, uh, that's the educational uh, location for me. It has hockey. It's a high level of hockey. I'm going to continue to work and strive to be the best at the level I'm at. Regardless, he, like, like he said, he could have held out one more year and played juniors one more year, but that wasn't the right fit for him. So instead of just throwing in the towel going, hockey's an afterthought, this is for my education, well, I'm going to do the best at both because they will open doors. That's my vehicle to, to succeed. So, Well, boys, all birthday celebrations must come to an end. And I have to say this. We're 21 episodes in, and that means we're legal. <laughs> <laughs> but 21 episodes in so far, and have to say it's been a great 21 uh, episodes, gotten to talk to some unbelievable people that really, really are trying to change this game. Um, and for you two, it's been great doing this for 21 episodes so far. So if we can, I've got myself a little bit of a crown Royal, uh, shot glass here, Danny. Uh, I got myself a Epic brewing lemon bomb sour IPA. Okay. And love. I got me a little bullet bourbon. So happy 21st, boys. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Tap, tap. <sighs> happy 21st to us. <clears throat> a special thanks to our guests today from Middlebury College, Emac Bentley, and from Robert Morris University, Aiden Spellacy, and Quinn Warmuth. Check back next week when we will be joined by the 2020 finalists for the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award the executive director of the Columbus Ice Hockey Club, Mr. John Hafferman. And not one, but two Gerards from Minnesota State University at Mankato, Charlie Gerard, and from the Ohio State University, Freddie Gerard. You can find the on air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes and archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Continuing to grow the game the best that we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. What I'm trying to say.